Make the Right Choice by Apostle Jacqueline Fedor. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15-17 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, not speaking of the earth or God's kingdom, but the world's culture and man's systems, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. Christ overcame it. And the lust of it overcame the works of the devil also. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Let's be one of these. The world is not of God, as we can see in verse 15, and neither are the things found in the world. No matter how beautiful and well-designed, powerful or useful the world's creations seem, they have all been formulated by the world's tainted knowledge introduced by Satan to mankind through Eve. Everything in the world is therefore inferior and a waste of our time and effort. It is really strange. Satan's knowledge is incapable of any true measure of perfection as he himself is imperfect, yet man craves them and wonder why they are less than satisfying. Go figure. Mankind says, I want this, I need that, only to find out the object of their desire is flawed and not fun anymore. You see, the problem is we were originally created to want and even expect perfection. Our Creator is perfect as is everything he created in its original state. No matter how hard Satan tries, though, he cannot attain God's perfection. That doesn't seem to stop humanity, however. We still continue to chase after the world's pleasures and inventions. And speaking of chasing or lusting after the things of the world, first understand the word lust means to crave or have a strong desire for something. It's not just the attitude I want, it is I need or have to have. It is also the main force behind most of the world's activities. Those that partake in them are watched closely by the enemy for sure, and to the degree they are pleasing to Satan's lifestyle they are rewarded with, money, sex, and power. You see, this is the world's idea of success. All that is needed to achieve these wonderful blessings is to live by Satan's rules and allow yourself to be conformed to his world. Easy. This is why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19, verse 24, And again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. There is nothing wrong with being wealthy, but what did he do to achieve his goals? Jesus knew. Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 warns, Enter by the narrow gate, the gate to eternity, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Those that can really lay the world's treasures and pleasures down completely are few. 
Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The world's knowledge prepares us for the world. God's prepares us for his kingdom, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Jesus said, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. We cannot walk in God's will, however, while feeding the world's knowledge constantly to our minds. Knowledge from the tree of good and evil bears the fruit of rebellion. Those that eat of it are automatically not inclined to walk in God's will. Since our opening scripture seems to reveal the avenue the enemy takes us down to lure us to the broader road leading to his kingdom, let us look at it closer and dissect it so we are not fooled by him. Hopefully, as we do, many answers to our personal problems will be solved also, or at least we will understand where they come from. We have already seen why the world's things make us happy for a little while, then just become a source of frustration, discontentment, and disappointment. So let us look again at love of the world from a different perspective. Scripture tells us the things found in the world are not of God, so our involvement with them always leads to insurrection against the law of God. Everything in the world is designed by its founder to cleverly, though maybe innocently on our part, cause us to be at odds with the Lord. Many love the world's churches, for instance, and are loyal to a particular denomination. But just ask yourself, how much false doctrine am I being fed? Is there an acceptance of loose morals, tolerated perhaps because of their love of money? Good tithers get away with murder, you know. If these things are accepted by your organization, they are causing or allowing you to be at odds with God, hindering the establishment of His kingdom and prolonging the restoration of the rest of creation. Think about it. All of creation is just as abused and the victim of the enemy's attack as is man. Romans chapter 8, verses 19 21. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God, those that walk in God's law and are set free by truth from the world. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him, God, who subjected it in hope. In hope, we would see the need for His knowledge and wisdom and see the need for him to intervene. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. I don't know about you, but I would love to see the restoration of all creation. To see them renewed physically, mentally, emotionally, and to witness God's will being carried out across the earth would be awesome. To see his people demonstrating their love for God and loyalty to his desires and perfect obedience to his laws would be fantastic. This brings up another false doctrine. Do not believe the church that teaches we're not under the law. We better be. He wrote them on our hearts and minds for a good reason.
Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 33, prophesied of this time thousands of years ago to make sure we're not taught wrongly and end up missing his plan for restoration. Behold, the days are coming, the end days, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. Remember, those born through Christ are the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and with the house of Judah, God's government, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, or the law given to Moses on the mountain. My covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Would we really want to ignore these laws? Hebrews chapter 10 verse 16 is the fulfillment of that prophecy. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, the days of the two witnesses, Judaism and Christianity, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. The laws of God, you see, are guidelines to help us walk worthy of the vocation we were called to. When we make a mistake or are about to, the spirit of conviction can bring the law to our attention and detour us from the broad road that leads to the world. See how the false doctrine that teaches us we're not under the law can ruin our walk with God? We're not under the Mosaic law for sure, but we are most definitely under the spiritual law of God if we are His covenant people. So can you see how dangerous the love of the world, even dedication to their churches, can be? Fancy cars, extravagant homes beyond our budgets can put us in debt up to our ears when God says, Owe oh, no man anything but love. Again, we break God's law. And what about trendy clothes that will make it hard for the angels to detect which kingdom we belong to when God harvests the earth? Matthew chapter 13, verses 27 through 29. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. This is why the wicked have been allowed to remain. Again, the world's ways are so dangerous, and these things lead to greater offenses, like the aforementioned lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. You see, when we dabble in the world's pleasures, our playing field is the devil's ballpark, not the kingdom of God. The people we meet there are certainly not good company for a man or woman of God either. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 33 and 34 tells us, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. 
for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. For joining in their sin and not setting an example that would maybe change them. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11 But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother, a person that is part of your spiritual family, who is sexually immoral. Much hypocrisy goes on in today's religious circles, or covetous wish to possess the best, pride of life, or an idolater, one who loves the world's idols, looks up to the world's icons, or a reviler, party people, or a drunkard, addicted to alcohol, or an extortioner, pours someone out of something, not even to eat with such a person, let alone accept them as leadership. So much unhappiness ending in divorce is prevalent in the world because we form relationships outside the kingdom with people that could care less about the law of God, ones that do not even consider God's will before they exercise their own or have any appetite at all for God's knowledge. Unfortunately, having the desires of our soul man met and the satisfaction of the needs of our flesh completely meets the criteria of a worldly relationship, and for the most part, that is really all they're looking for. Many times a relationship is based solely on a man or woman trying to meet the world's standards, wanting to measure up to what others expect of them at different phases of their life. The world dictates we must be married by our 20s, have children by the 30s, etc., Trophy husbands or trophy wives are coveted also, satisfying the pride of life and ego. So we can see all this twisted thinking that has stemmed from the lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and pride of life is not only despised by God, but bound to fail. If children are conceived from this ill-founded soulish relationship, It will be next to impossible to raise them with kingdom principles and their lives would be in danger of judgment at the day of the Lord in these end times. Without being nourished on end time truth, another generation of lawless worldly ones will spring up even worse than the generation before. History has proven this over and over. Society is at its worst today. It is so bad that the world's recommended methods of making things better cannot just be cleaned up either. Their ways must be forgotten so people can change and do it God's way. Less of the eye, less of the flesh, and pride of life have shaped and molded natures with traits more fitting to the kingdom of darkness than the kingdom of light. These traits can be really hard to change. Our knee-jerk reactions that evolved from the world's knowledge embraces all the above characteristics and traits, yet we happily continue to fill our minds with this foolish thinking and pay thousands of dollars to do it. Look at the money owed for student loans alone. And then look at the pride that exudes from college grads that have attained their doctorate. What a waste. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 19 and 20, explains what I mean. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness. 
How many times have we heard the statement, he is a very shrewd and cunning business person? And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile, because the knowledge they so diligently lusted after was foolish and unfruitful. Now here is proof of where that wonderful knowledge came from. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. All the traits were there, set in place and ready to destroy man. So when the woman saw, lust of the eye, that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, pride of life, she took of its fruit, Satan's knowledge, and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Adam and Eve were created holy, righteous, pure, blameless, with no bad habits. They were sinless, so the enemy had no hold on them. Therefore, no sickness, pain, or sorrow could be inflicted on them. No devastating situation could overtake them. Their minds were fed pure, clean waters of truth. The knowledge of God was always at their fingertips. But with one little bite of the enemy's wisdom, they were no longer pure and perfect. It is a fact. No matter how sterile something is, one tiny drop of filth ruins it. It is tainted and unclean forever. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, lack of his wisdom and knowledge, that is, because you have rejected knowledge and chose the world's. I also will reject you from being priest for me because you have forgotten the law of your God. Over time, God's knowledge and law were replaced with that of Satan through man. I also will forget your children. The children pay for the sins of the parents. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish or die, because, here is why, they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. To love Jesus, you must love the Word, since He is the Word. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. You will not die. Same thing said to Eve, that they all may be condemned, or damned, as the old King James says, who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness, there are those that can be taught truth, but they continue to do things their way, regardless of God's law and will. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 28-30 through 30, reveals another problem that arises from not loving and choosing God's knowledge. But let a man examine himself. Look within to see whose knowledge have I chosen. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup or physically take communion. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, because he seeks and eats the world's knowledge, eats and drinks judgment to himself. This, you see, was the original sin. Choosing the wrong knowledge still brings death, not discerning the Lord's body. Forgetting Jesus is the living waters, 
the bread of life, the word of God. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Our not choosing the knowledge of God and turning our back on the word allows us to be attacked by the enemy and makes us ineligible, not worthy of becoming a part of the body of Christ. John chapter 15 verse 4 says, Abide, or live, in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. How can you abide in Christ, the word of God, with the enemy's knowledge abiding or living in you? Understand, therefore, you are not a part of the body of Christ if you are composed of the knowledge of the world. Jesus is the pure word of God, living waters of truth. He, the word, became human flesh for us, did he not? We must as individuals become the word for him and unitedly manifest as the body of Christ. The flesh of Christ is God's knowledge. See why Satan has so many different beliefs and doctrines? We must, therefore, be united in truth, have one message, one language to become one flesh, to make up the Lord's body. Only the end-time truth or knowledge revealed for this age by the Holy Spirit can be the flesh that covers the holes in his hands and feet and restores the wound in his side. Scripture says he must be first in all things, so he must be the first to be restored. Then can come the restoration of humanity, and finally, all creation. So how does the knowledge of God reach his people so this can come about? He looses the knowledge contained in the scrolls to his revealers, who in turn feed his under-shepherds. They feed the sheep in fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 11, verse 9. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. Now here is what changes things. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 12 and 13 tells us God uses the fivefold ministers to accomplish this. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are equipped to train his newborn sacred seed to walk in his will and law and grow to his image, and become members of the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith, one voice, one mission to produce one flesh, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man. That perfect man is the restored body of Christ, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, the completed number of body of Christ. To be the body of Christ, or from a different perspective, be one with him as his bride. We must be led by him, the word, the knowledge of God. Let me show you something from the Strong's Concordance. 1844 is the number of the word Knowledge, it is the only number listed where it speaks strictly of God's knowledge. In other words, its only definition is 
knowledge. 3045, on the other hand, is also interpreted knowledge, but has very different meanings, some of which are 3045, yada, a primitive root, to know, to ascertain by seeing, observation, instruction, designation, punishment, acknowledge, acquaintance, advise, appoint, cunning, doesn't sound like God, does it? Discern, endued with, famous, pride, instruct, kinsfolk, take knowledge, have knowledge, make self known, be learned, lie by man, perceive, privy to, prognosticator, regard, skillful, can tell, understand, have understanding, wit. After reading the definitions of the word knowledge found in scripture pertaining only to the worldly things and never to God, let us look at the definition of the word snake or serpent to give us a deeper understanding of why it was such a horrible thing for Adam and Eve to choose the knowledge found at 3045. Number 3789 number of the word snake or serpent in the Strong's Greek Dictionary will show you similar definitions to the word knowledge that we saw in the knowledge 3045. Snake or serpent, Greek, 3789, sharpness of vision, a snake, sly, cunning, artful, malicious person, especially Satan. Oh, wow. Serpent, from 3700 to gaze with wide open eyes as at something remarkable, an earnest but more continued inspection of watching from a distance. 3708, to stare at. 991, a primary verb, beware, lie. 1492, to know, be aware, have knowledge. This is always speaking of the world's knowledge. Much different than 2191, the Greek number of a simple snake, no other definition. Snake, 2191, adder or other poisonous snake, viper. See again why it is so very important to choose the correct knowledge Look at all the goofy stories the church teaches about the snake in paradise or the garden. About as dumb as teaching Satan's wisdom was an apple. God's knowledge is pure truth with which you can live and build your life on. The other is clever, cunning, deceptive, aimed at shaping and molding mankind to fit the enemy's plan for his exaltation. Remember Satan, that old serpent of Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, said in Isaiah chapter 14, he would be as God, and truly he has led the whole world away from God and molded it to his own image. In closing, when Adam and Eve chose Satan's knowledge, they began to see things wrongly. Their perspective on life changed completely in this realm. Their eyes saw evil for the first time, and lust of the eyes was given birth. They saw they were naked, and because of lust, were ashamed. 
Now lust of the flesh was loosed on mankind, and when Satan promised Eve she would be as God if she accepted his wisdom, self-centeredness and pride of life came into being for them. Because of their sin and rebellion, sickness, sorrow, and death entered into the lives of mankind and all creation. To change things, to reverse things, we must therefore individually determine to choose God's knowledge over that of the world. To appear as His children, we must walk in His wisdom, according to His knowledge, reflecting His image, so a glimpse of God's kingdom can be seen to give hope to mankind for restoration. This closing scripture is my prayer for all God's born-again, spirit-filled children. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him.